Good morning. Hope you're all okay. Thanks very much, Rob. You know, I want to ask you a question. This week, or maybe even this morning, how many times have you said to yourself, I am something? And it could have been positive or negative. You know, maybe I am, I'm looking good. (laughs) Or maybe you've been, I'm actually unlovable. I don't look good. I don't like what I see when I look in the mirror. Maybe, well, maybe a few weeks ago for some people, but maybe you looked at your bank bank balance around payday and thought, (laughs) rich. Maybe you look at it now and think, yeah, I'm a bit poor now. You know, maybe you've had things go on this week, you've had results to exams, you've had a promotion at work, and you've thought, I'm doing really well, I've passed this, I've achieved, I've done so well. Or maybe there's things that have gone on where you've thought, actually, that wasn't so clever what I did, I aren't very smart, I'm not doing very well, I'm not actually loved, I'm not a part, I'm not wanted. You know, often it depends on what happens at the time or, you know, what we see. I remember in 1997, yes, I was alive then. I was 18 years old, go figure how old I am, unless I've worked it out wrong and then go and ask Paul because I never really know how old I am. Um, Titanic came out at the cinema. And at the time I was at college and I had a boyfriend that I was dating. Um, His name was not Paul. And um, I went to watch Titanic with my friends and I was just in awe of this love story and how fantastic it was and just wow what a love and I went home and I dumped him because I thought that love's not like that sorry if you're watching but our love wasn't like that you know it's sometimes how we feel and how we behave and how we act depends on what's going on at the time at the time Titanic was going on At the time, I was young and impressionable and a rather little bit silly because, you know, I stand here day in, day out, and no one ever comes and stands behind me. Love isn't always like that. Things aren't always like that. I'm trying. You're not even coming, are you? It's just... So, come on. There you go. My world is complete. Go away now. I've embarrassed myself. Shall I just sit down now? You know, so often how we feel about ourselves is based on what goes on around us, is based on what we do, what we see, what we think, and what we feel. You know, there are areas that affect our self-esteem and our confidence. For the better and for the worse, let's be honest. Very often when we talk about self-esteem, we talk about it My self-esteem is really bad. I need to deal with this and this and this. But there are things that affect our self-esteem for the best. You know, it can be things like our appearance, our employment status, our finances, our possessions, our age, our relationships, our education, our family, our success, our achievements and our security. All affect our self-esteem for the better and for the worse. According um, to a recent search, 85% of the world's population are affected by low self-esteem and confidence issues. 85%. 
And according to this survey, in, 2000, sorry, in 2030, it's estimated that 2 million more adults than today will have mental health issues. I think that's really scary. And I think, you know, how many of us in here, if we're honest, struggle with our mental health, struggle with our self-esteem, and struggle with our confidence? We do. And then we beat ourselves up because we think, well, I'm a Christian. God says these things about me, and yet I still feel this way about myself. So I want to take you on a little bit of a rambling today, and it is a rambling. So if you're used to when I get up here, it ain't going to be like that. So I apologize in advance, but I'm going to take you on a little ramble. So the first thing I want to say to you is about self-esteem and you. Now, because of the English language, I've had to write this. I mean you as in the single. I mean you and you and you and you. I don't mean you. I mean me. You know, when we work on our own or individual self-esteem, we often try it through things like self-care, self-talk, self-help, self-improvement, self-reliance, and self-fulfillment. We try and make ourselves feel better, build ourselves up because of the other people who love us, because of our achievements and the things that we've done, because of the things that we have and the things that we possess, and because of the positions that we hold. Ben Nugent says this, when good writing was my only goal, I made the quality of my work the measure of my worth. I'm not going to read the rest of the quote, but I want to read that part again. When good writing was my only goal, he was an author, I made the quality of my work the measure of my worth. How many of us make the quality of our relationships the quality of our possessions, the quality of our achievements, how many of us make those things the measure of our worth and because of them have therefore good or bad self-esteem, good or bad confidence. I feel good about myself because of my new shoes or my new outfit. I feel good about myself because I'm in this relationship with a man who will jump on the stage and do Titanic with me. I feel good about myself because I got a promotion at work or I passed my latest exam. I feel good about myself because we brought a new house. But you know, when our worth is founded on our achievements, on our appearance, on our possessions, let's be honest, we all have bad days. We all have bad days when we look in the mirror. We all have bad days where we think, I want that next thing. We all have days where we're not achieving and things are going wrong. So what happens then? What happens then when we base our worth and our identity upon those things and we build ourselves up on those things? What happens? I tell you what happens. The enemy will come knocking. And when he comes, it's two against none because you're on his side. Because when he says you're not enough, you agree with him. When he says you can't, you say, I know. When he says you're rubbish, you say, yeah, I am. When he says you're ugly, you say, I am, yeah. 
When he says you're this and you're that, you agree with him. It's two against none. You know, and there's many things that we can do that will practically help us. And the good things, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. There are many things we can put in our lives to, to build up how we see ourselves, to help ourselves look at the better things, to be positive and look at good outcomes. And all of those things are helpful and important. But I do wonder how deeply they actually penetrate us and bring deep and lasting transformation. And whether we see it or not, whether we admit it or not, I want you to ask yourself this morning, am I really happy with me? Am I really happy with me? The mirror aside, my achievements aside, my relationships aside, am I really happy with me? James Hostler said this, you will never really enjoy other people. You will never have stable emotions. You will never conquer jealousy and love others as you should until you thank God for making you the way he did. And you may look in the mirror and think, I wish I didn't have my mother's nose. You may look in the mirror and think, I wish I wasn't as tall as my nan. You may look in, the, those are my things by the way, you may look in the mirror and think many things. You may look at broken relationships in your life and think nobody loves me. But even though and despite of those things, God is calling you to recognize that he made you, he chose you and he handpicked you. You ever been to the supermarket and you know, there aren't things already in a bag, so you've got to pick them. Do you know what I mean? Like fruit and veg and things. And I think, just give me a bag of it, and I'll just trust you that that's the bag of apples that I need. But there aren't any, so I've got to go pick them. So then I feel obliged to look at them and think, does it have a bruise? Does it feel right? My biggest issue is a mango. I don't know. I, I don't, is it ripe? Is it not ripe? Should it, should it be hard? Should it be soft? What, what colour should the pineapple be? Should it be brown? Should it be yellow? Should it be green? Which one do I buy? I just don't know. But God handpicked you, knowing full well what you were like and said, you are mine, you are chosen. Despite having your mother's nose, despite being as tall as your nan, I am choosing you. Despite the fact that every person you ever went out with, apart from Paul, cheated on you. Despite all of those things, I love you. I want you. I see you and you are good. Or do we just base it on other people liking us and what we look like in the mirror and what we've got? You know, I really like it when we get a box of chocolates, you know, like a proper box, not like a box where they're all shoved in, but a box like milk tray, that sort of thing. Um, and you get it and the, you open the box and it's like, it tells you what the different chocolates are and you think, hmm, which one shall I have? And you pick one out. And I believe that God stands over us and goes, oh, that, one, that one's my favourite. And he picks you out and says, wow, 
Jesus, look at this one. This one's a bit nutty. Jesus, look at this one. This one's a bit soft. Jesus, look at this one. Oh, I just want to eat it up because it's, wow. This one is my favorite. This one is the one I love. This one is the one I want. And you know, sometimes people go, oh, it's a coffee one. <laughs> Even worse, oh my word, Turkish delight. But God goes, wow, Turkish delight. The whole world may hate you, but God loves the Turkish delight. The rest of the world may be allergic to you, but God loves the one with the nutting. God loves you and it doesn't matter what anyone else says or what anyone else does or what you look like. God even loves those misshaped ones that they sell off cheaper because the machine got it wrong. When you look in the mirror and think, flipping out, the machine got it wrong with me, didn't it? God loves you. God wants you. God says to Jesus, look at this one. I just want to eat it up. So that's self-esteem in you. Let's deal with self-esteem in you, as in the plural. You know, let's be honest, we're social people. We're all here, aren't we? We're all coming in, being social with each other, smiling at each other, scowling at each other, whatever we do. But we're social people. So our confidence and our self-esteem will inevitably be entwined with other people. And very often it becomes a competition. Who's got the most followers? Who's the best at this or the best at that? Who's got the nicest car on the car park? Who's got the smartest kids? <laughs> Who's having the worst day? It even comes down to things like that. I'm having the worst day than you. <laughs> Have you ever done that? It's like I'm not even trying to tell you something fantastic, like look at my hair, it's really nice today. I am having a worse day than you because I'm better at you at having a worse day. <laughs> if anyone wants to go with that after, come and see me, I'd love to try. <laughs> you know, very often we think I'll be accepted if I've got this or I've got that. When I was in primary school, we did this um, bikeability thing with another local primary school. When I was a child, yes, when I was a child in school. I haven't grown much since then, but there you go. <laughs> Probably could still use the same bike. <laughs> and I went on my little bike and I was really excited. I've no idea what this bike was, it was blue. And I get there and I'm so excited about my little bikeability thing, thinking I can ride my bike, I'm going to be good at this. And the kids from the other school, oh my word, they annihilated me. Ah, look at your bike, what a sad bike. For the whole hour and a half or however long I was there, absolutely. I got home and I cried my eyes out so much and to the point, I don't really quite know how it happened, but the next time I went, I had a different bike. And it was a cool bike. It was like a mountain bike thing. I don't know what it was, but it was cool. And I got there and I thought, they're not going to pick on me anymore. I've got the cool bike. I look like the rest of them. I didn't actually think there was anything wrong with my other bike. But there you go. I cried enough. My mum and dad bought me another one. And so now I'm here with my new bike. And you know what? They picked on me for having a new bike and trying to be cool. It was really what it was. 
very often the cost of my own self-esteem in today's society is at another person's exclusion. We build ourselves up, we raise ourselves up, but the only way that we often know how to do it is by excluding and putting down others. And that's what we teach one another to do. I'm going to read you a quote by C.S. Lewis. It's a bit harsh. Are you ready? It says, Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they're not. They're only proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. If someone else became equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. You know, and we try and find our worth and our self-esteem in God, and yet we're surrounded and filled with a society that constantly will put us down and exclude us because we're not as good as the next man. You know, as Christians, we're called to love others as we love ourselves. But the biggest problem is, is if we're unhappy with ourselves, the only way that we can make ourselves feel better is to put others down and not lift them up. And you know, when you see the wow of God over your life, you can't help but then shout wow over someone else. When God loves you as a coffee cream, the coffee cream suddenly says, that Turkish delight is looking good to me. I ate both of them chocolates. You know, and I think the biggest problem is even when we're not outrightly unkind to people, we'll say things like this. Oh, they're not my cup of tea. I wouldn't pick it. Don't float my boat. Got to be honest, not a big fan. We do, don't we? And we think that's okay. I'm not actually saying, I hate their new car. I really don't like their new shoes. Flipping out, what have they done to their hair? We don't say that because we're good Christian people. But we say, well, I wouldn't pick that one. Why? God's made it. They like it. How wonderful. It's a, it's a Turkish delight. But wow, it's a Turkish delight. You know, I think the biggest problem that we have in today's society is that we've been deceived into building our self-esteem, our confidence and our identity on the wrong foundation. So I think the only thing we can go back, it, do is go back and start with a new foundation. So if you'll join me in the beginning. Genesis 1:31, And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was good. Even you nutty ones, even you coffee creams, even you Turkish delights or whichever ones you don't like, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Now let's look at this, Genesis 3, 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? 
And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and also she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate also. You know, the same doubt that was sown in the beginning still creeps in today. You know, let's be honest, the enemy is not a creator, so he's got no new tricks, he's got no new skills, he's got no new lies or things to come and deceive you with because he cannot create he comes with the same again and again and again. And again and again and again, we fall for it. We ask ourselves, can I really trust God? Does he really know best? Did God really say? Did that apply to me? You know, and if you're not fully sure about this, then what we end up building on is a wrong foundation. You know, Eve was deceived in that she needed something or someone else to be satisfied, to be enough, to be fulfilled. For her, that was the fruit. But for how many of us do we think, I need something or someone to be satisfied, to be enough, to be fulfilled? It's that same doubt. It's that same lie. And it's all to do with the things that we possess and the people that we want to be with and that we want to admire us. I need something, someone else, to be satisfied, to be enough, and to be fulfilled. The other thing was, I am not enough, but I can be self-fulfilled. The enemy told her, you'll be, like you'll be like God. And she believed the lie, that she wasn't enough. There was more she could be. And if she took things in her own hands, did things in her own strength, instead of going back to the one who created all things, instead of going back and asking her father, what do you say? Instead of asking that question, she was led to believe that she wasn't enough, but there was a way that she could be enough. And that wasn't by going back to her father, but it was by taking something else. It was by achieving something. And how many of us do we think... I'm not enough, but if, if I get this next promotion, if I get this relationship, if I get this next exam right, if I get this next grade on my test, then I'll be enough, I'll achieve enough, I will be good enough. Can I stop you there? Can I encourage you? Every time that comes that you think, I'm not enough, but if I have this, I will be. I'm not enough, but if I achieve this, I will be. Don't make the same mistake Eve made and go after the things that Satan is calling you after. Not that achievement or relationships or possessions are bad things. Don't hear me wrong. But when we desire them to make ourselves feel better, when we desire them to build our confidence and self-esteem, stop yourself right there and say, no, I'm going back to my father. I'm going back to the one who created me. I'm going back to the one who said in the beginning, it is very good. You are very good. What are you building on this morning? 
Are you building on the truth? Or are you building on the lie and the doubt? And very often, let's be honest, we try and build on both. Let's be honest. We do because we believe God says we're good. I know God loves me. God says I'm this. God says I'm that. God says I'm all these things. I believe it. I want to believe it. I believe it. I want to have faith and I believe it. But actually, I think I'm going to try and do all these things to make myself feel better. And I'm going to get this relationship and that'll make me feel better. And if I've got these things, that'll make me feel better. And if I get this promotion at work, that'll make me feel better. And if I pass my exams, that'll make me feel better. So we actually end up building on what God's saying. But we also end up building on the lie that these things will satisfy us. Building on the lie that says, if you have, if you do, then you will feel better about yourself. It's not stable ground. We end up building on both. You know, about 12 months ago, I went to Hanley with Olivia. And um, we were outside the shopping centre and we decided to go into Primark. There are other shops that you can attend. Um, and as we went in, there was like um, a wet floor sign. And we saw the wet floor sign. We're like, oh, wet floor sign. Yep, you guessed it. Flat on my backside, I went. In front of the queue of people behind me, the security guard in front of me, and Olivia was like, you've just hit the height of embarrassing mum there, haven't you? <laughs> and do you know what? Oh, my word. It is. It hurt me wrist, it hurt me bum. It really hurt. But the thing that hurt the most was my pride. I was that embarrassed. I was embarrassed for myself. I was embarrassed for my teenage daughter because her mum had just fell on the floor. Don't get more embarrassing than that. And there was people about. There was loads of them. And people come running, don't they? Oh, you're right. And you think, just oh my word. And they come running and the Primark people came running. Shall we get you a first aider? And um, I was just like, how quickly can I get up and run away? <laughs> was the only thing on my mind. And Olivia was like, are you all right, mum? <laughs> I'm like, just let's go. I was embarrassed. We almost have to prove that we're okay. When we fall and we get things wrong and we just make a right mess of things, we have to get ourselves up and prove that we're okay. I don't need any help. I don't need this. The biggest problem we face is we won't be picked up from where we fall. We won't. We have to do it ourselves. Where God's calling to us and saying, let me help you. Let me lift you from the fall. Let me lift you from the lie that you've been told. Let me lift you from the doubt that lives within you. The last thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Timothy Keller talks about, in today's society, that identity is achieved and not received. And I want to ask you this morning... Is your identity, your confidence, your worth, your self-esteem, is it achieved or is it received? You know, I look at myself. I look at what I can do. I look at what I've done, at my achievements. I look at who likes me. I look at how many people speak to me. I look at how many followers I've got on social media. I look at how many people will message me. You know, but the world pumps us 
with you have to achieve, you have to be liked. And it makes us double-minded because the Bible tells us that God gives freely. His love and his acceptance comes freely. And yet the world keeps battering at us that you have to do it in your own strength. You have to achieve it yourself. You have to pick yourself up. You have to do it by yourself, by yourself, by yourself. But also because other people like you, because other people see you, because other people want you, because other people will click a like button. And it just makes us double-minded as Christians. And we don't know where we're at or where we're coming or where we're going. And we try and build, like I've said, on two foundations. Well, God says this, but the world says this. And God says this, but the world says this. And I'm just a bit like, it's like being at one of them fairground rides. What are they where you go? Not that mouse things. No, them house things that you go through. Fun house. When you go in the fun house and you try and walk and the floor's just moving and the walls are moving. Makes you feel sick. Think about it. But you can't, it's not a firm foundation, it knocks you from pillar to post. If you're trying to achieve it and trying to receive it, it's not going to happen anywhere. Esteem in the dictionary says this, to regard highly and favorably, regard with respect or admiration. You know, we try and achieve our self-esteem, but what we actually need to do is receive it. Philippians 2, 5 to 7 says this. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. God held you, and I mean the single you, God held each one of you in such high esteem that he made himself of no reputation so that you could receive all that he has for you. So that you could know that you are loved. So that the fall where you fell no longer has a hold on you. So that the doubt that was sown in your heart no longer has a root in you. That he can pick you up from where you fell and say you are mine and you are loved. And you can receive it without having to achieve it. Without having to possess something. Without having to have someone else tell you that you're good enough. Because I say you are enough. I say I esteem you. I say you you are loved. I say you are worthy. I say I pick you. I choose you in such high esteem that he came and he died on the cross for you. You don't have to work it up or work it out or achieve anything. He has done it all. You are loved. You are esteemed. You are accepted. You are enough. And you know, it suddenly begins to create a sense of stable self. That the world is no longer pulling me. That I can't or that I have to do this or I have to do that. The world is no longer telling me. Well, not enough people liked your post. Not enough people are your friends. Not enough people said hello to you today. And the best bit about it, 
It's all inclusive. No one's excluded. When God brings the self-esteem, he doesn't bring it at someone else's detriment. He brings it to each and every person. He didn't die for me more than he died for you. He loves you. You are highly esteemed. You are enough. Stop trying to work it up and work it out. Receive it today. Let go of what you're trying to do. Let go of trying to work it up and receive it today. Let him fill you fresh. Let him heal you and restore you from what the world has tried to bat you down with. And you know, suddenly when you look in the mirror, you think, well, God was being creative with me. When you don't get the promotion, thank you, God, that I'm where you need me to be, that I can be a blessing here. When you're buying your clothes from a charity shop and you're thinking you haven't got the best thing, well, thank you, God, for those people who've blessed me and that I've been able to bless that. It suddenly changes every perspective because when we receive from him, we also realize that we can give and be a blessing to others. We're justified through Christ. We're saved by his grace and it's because of his victory on the cross. It's nothing to do with what we do, but it's because of him. Jesus came to break the wrong foundation in our lives and to set us free, to be rooted and grounded in him and what we receive from him. 1 Peter 2 says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This morning, receive his mercy. This morning, receive his love. This morning, receive what he has for you. I just want to give us a moment to respond. And you may think, that's all great. And I, I believe that, but I just still think that if these people like me, then that makes me good. <laughs> and I still think that if I get this promotion, then I'll be happy. Sometimes we need to uproot the things that have taken hold in our lives. And so I just want to take you through this this morning, if that's okay. But I also want to encourage you, you know, if you want to know more about what it is to follow Jesus, if you want someone to pray with you more specifically, then come and speak to the guys at the front after. They would love to journey with you. So this is what I want us to do. There's three things. And I just want you to take a minute. And if you're making notes, just put your notebook aside. And if you think afterwards, oh, I wanted to write that down, come and speak to me. I'll tell you what I said. I believe there's three things we need to do. The first one is this. Take a minute, close your eyes. Put your hands on your knee if you're comfortable. Just allow him to come and fill you. Come Holy Spirit. 
the first thing we say is, God, I'm sorry for not trusting you. God, I'm sorry for doubting you. I'm sorry for doubting that you had given the best for me. I'm sorry for believing. I want and I need more. I'm sorry for believing that I was not enough. I'm sorry for trying working it up through my relationships and through my achievement. Forgive me, God. God, and I pray that you would uproot and break the cycle of sowing and reaping. The cycle that says I'm not enough. The root that says I have to prove it. I have to earn it. I have to achieve it. God, I uproot it in my life in Jesus' name. And God, today I declare that I believe your word. I receive more of you, God. Come and fill me afresh. Come and renew, restore, heal, and set me free. I am who you say I am. Thank you that you esteem me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. Today, God, I receive from you. I receive your love. I receive your acceptance. And I receive the wow that you declare over my life. So God, I pray for each person today as they've taken that moment and said sorry for where they've believed things that they shouldn't. If these allowed you in to uproot and deal with roots and bitterness in their life. God, I pray that you would come and fill them afresh. That you would come and restore them and heal them and renew them. God, I pray that there would be a renewing of thinking in Jesus' name. God, I pray that there would be a breaking of the cycle that says, I am not good enough. And God, I pray that they would hear your word that says, you are enough. You are very good. God made you. God handpicked you. God loves you. God, and I pray that when the enemy comes a-knocking, God, that they will know to say, no, my God says. No, I'm going to go back to the Father and ask him what he says. When the enemy comes tempting, come on. If you just get this, you'll feel better. If you just do this, you'll feel better. If you just take that fruit, you'll feel better. No, I'm going to go and speak to my God about this. Thank you, God. God, I pray healing across this place. I pray a strengthening across this place. I pray your love across this place. Song of Solomon 2, 4 says, He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. So God, we just speak your banner of love over this place this morning. God, just come and fill this place with your love.
May your banner be love over people's lives. You are loved. My child, you are loved. You are loved. Let your banner be love, God. May it go down deep. May it stretch wide. Thank you, God. And you know he's not done. He's not finished. He keeps working. He keeps healing. He keeps restoring. He keeps lifting. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning. He's not finished with you yet. He is working and restoring and healing and he's going to keep going and he's going to keep going and he's going to keep going until you realise that whether no one around you likes your Turkish delight, that he loves you and that you suddenly think, yeah, you know what? I'm a Turkish delight, baby. God loves you. And you know the best thing to do? The best thing to do when you think, but it's so hard, then give him some praise. Give him some thanks. Thank him for all that he's doing. Thank him that he keeps working. You know, we're going to sing a song now, and it talks about that he shames every idol, that he reigns without rival. Those things that have been idols in your life that have said, if you're not this, then it's not good enough. You place them above him. But this morning, I want to encourage you as we respond, that we give him some praise. That we say, no, you are Lord in my life. You are King in my life. You are above these things in my life. And as we do, as we call on his name, as we ask him to bring change to us, as we say that he is bigger, then suddenly, suddenly, the chains begin to break. And life begins to come. So I'm believing this morning as we sing this song, as we praise God, that even then, more chains are going to come off you. God is going to break more things and do more healing in your life as we praise Him. So come on, let's stand up and let's give Him some praise this morning.